0: Welcome to Live Laugh Talk. I'm your host, James Graham, and I'm fortunate to be here with you today and have the loving audience that I have. Yes, I was notified today by Spotify that this is our 20th episode. Beautiful. In this episode, we're going to acknowledge that. We're going to talk about number 20. That's special. We're going to begin today with a very touching and personal topic to me, but a topic that affects every one of us, and that's how to live when your loved one passes. Then we will transition to our segment, How Did We Get Here?, followed by our hobbies and special interest section, and then conclude with our sunflower message. We want you to know that we truly appreciate you And wherever you listen to our podcast, please make sure that you follow us so that you're notified of new episodes when they're released. And we work so hard for you, and we hope that you're happy with the finished product. So the topic that we will begin with for episode 20 is how to live when your loved one passed. I'm really sorry to hear about the loss of your mother. That was the overwhelming sentiment of friends, family, workmates, and others during my time of loss. It's two years ago today, yet it feels like it was today. People say that time will heal. Well, it must be a lot of time because frankly, I'm far from healed. Part of me died that day and was cremated with her. Many of my thoughts, emotions, feelings, and my heart itself are ashes. I hurt. I'm in pain. I'm withdrawn. No, I'm not sharing the sentiments of someone else. That's not some point. I'm literally speaking of myself. Dealing with the death of a loved one, especially a parent, is one of the most challenging experiences in life. Grief can be overwhelming and can affect people in different ways. Trust me, in the last two years, I got many suggestions. I was educated on the stages of grieving. But what I'm going to do here today is lay everything bare to you. I'm going to be transparent and vulnerable. Why? Because I know someone out there is hurting like I am. They thought they would bounce back, but it hasn't happened. They're now doing as I do, questioning their own strength and mentality by feeling weak and useless. Another reason why I'm doing this is for my own healing. I created this podcast to bring common sense and also to give love of my fellow man to the masses with hope of changing the world around me in any way possible. But it has served to be just as medicinal for me. That being said, I put this subject off. I've done 19 shows and this is the first time I'm revealing my nakedness. I'm stripping it all bare so you can understand the person you're hearing. And I'm going to admit that if it gets to a point in this podcast that the tears begin to flow, you're going to hear them. You're going to either hear them hit the microphone or you're going to hear my voice quiver. I'm not editing it out. I said I'd be naked. I said I'd be bare. And I don't mean literal clothing. I mean my vulnerability. Why am I doing this again? Well, I pray it aids my listeners. In addition, I pray it aids me. What I'm going to tell you are some of those suggestions that I mentioned earlier that I got and how I worked with them. I'll let you know what helped, what didn't. I'll tell you what I've never expressed anywhere, anytime, to anyone before. Now these suggestions, I've navigated through this difficult time using them within the last two years. We, unfortunately, have to learn how to live. That's why the topic is titled that way. How to live when your loved one passes. You really, if you've experienced this, understand what I'm saying. The first suggestion that I was given was to allow yourself to grieve. They said grief is a natural and necessary process It's essential to give yourself permission to feel the emotions that come with loss, including sadness, anger, guilt, even moments of relief. Don't try to suppress the feelings. Instead, acknowledge and process them. Boom. You're healed, right? I wasn't. I took that, and I'll tell you what I did with that information. I tried to be Superman. Oh, I thought I had to be the strength of my family. You see, because when we lost mama that day, mom was a mother, a wife, a sister in her congregation, an aunt, a cousin, a friend, She was so many things to so many people, so her son had to be there. I thought I had to be the strength of the family. I was the one that had to confront these issues with others. Further, I always took pride in being the problem solver. Oh, if you have a problem, bring it to me. I'll put it on my shoulders and I'll take it on. And at that time, I said all the right things. Even gave my mother's memorial discourse. See, I did that because I felt she had prepared me for this. And I was her favorite speaker. And who could speak better about Georgia and her baby boy? That's what I felt. Now, what did this do to me? Well, I was fine then. Oh, you can go online. You can see my, memorial's disc- my mother's memorial discourse. It's online for you to see. I was fine. It wasn't until I returned home. See, that's when the world around me as I knew it crashed and burned. The other advice that I got was to seek support. Surround yourself with people who care about you and understand what you're going through. Well, how did that work out for me? Well, first of all, I want to thank those who reached out in great number. Thank you for doing what you did, and it's appreciated. The key part of that suggestion, though, is seeking support was to surround yourself with people who understand what you're going through. See, that's what was lacking. Many of my friends have not had a loss at all. Their mothers are well alive and well. I learned a lot of what not to say and do. See, one friend reached out to my brother I said he wanted to talk to me. I got on the phone with him and he said, Let's get together and talk. Well, that felt great. Why? Well, because he's one of my only friends who had lost his mother. I started telling him what days would work for me because I don't live in my hometown anymore. So I let him know what day I would be in town when I was with work, gave him a, a schedule. As I'm saying all these things, all of these things, he was in the background saying, well, uh, well, maybe not right now because I've got so much going on. But, but let's try to plan something a little later. Let's get together. I'll, I'll call you. Let's get together later on. Work, work on that. Hmm. See, I didn't lose my mother later on. I needed that conversation right then and there. Needless to say, I'm still waiting on that. Two years later, I still haven't gotten that conversation. See, it was all talk. It's baloney. Another thing I learned was to not say, just reach out to me. If there's anything I can do, just let me know. A lot of people said that, but see, I had never lost my mother before. I didn't know what I needed. And when we say those things to other people, they've never lost who they've lost. They don't know what they need. So I urge others and I learned myself to just do something, anything. Don't tell, don't wait on them. Don't tell them to call me and let me know Because they might not know. And they might not make the call even though they're in pain. Go do something. Whatever it is. Because they don't know. I didn't know. And if you're there, just be there in in silence. You don't have to talk. Bring a meal. Do anything. Just do something. Lastly, many frankly withdrew from Saying they just didn't know what to say. So they disappeared. They went ghost. Well, you might not know what to do, but don't do that. No one needs to be alone. Third advice I got. Take care of yourself. Grieving can be physically and emotionally draining, so it's crucial to look after yourself. Try to eat well-balanced meals, get enough rest, engage in gentle exercise. Avoid turning into an alcoholic or, or get an unhealthy coping mechanism, I was told. Avoid substance abuse or alcohol. Well, that's not hard for me to do. I don't drink and I don't take in any type of substance. But too many days, I couldn't get out of bed or even leave my house. There are days like that now. Talk about eating well. Well, it's hard to cook. I'm not a cook. So I don't know if the eating was great. I found myself losing a lot of weight. I started eating a lot of salads because that I could prepare But then I ran up on some bacteria and some lettuce. And that made, we're not even going to go into all of the hardship that caused. And as far as exercise, your boy went overboard on the exercise. Call me, where am I? I'm in the gym. I'm opening it up. I'm closing the gym down. They might as well had given me a pay card for me to clock in and out. That was the only thing missing. I'm telling other people what to do. I'm, I'm their, you know, physical guide. Went too far altogether. I'm trying to do all this to give the endorphins that I need to help me cope. Hmm. The fourth suggestion was to create a ritual or memorialize your mother. You could write a letter, create a scrapbook, plant a tree, they tell me, or support a cause that was important to her. Well, you know what I did? I memorialized her in jewelry. Jewelry made of or filled with her ashes, and that helps. I wear that jewelry often. You see me, usually I have a piece on. It makes me happy. It's like I'm carrying her around with me. Some days... It makes me sad. So you have that ebb and flow over time. So I did those things, but I'll be honest, Oh, we're being bad, right? I'm telling you what I felt and what I feel. Fifth suggestion, accept that grief takes time. Grieving is a process. There's no set time limit for healing. Be patient with yourself and understand that the intensity of your grief may be intense. And at other times, you may be able to cope. Again, I kept feeling that I would get better quickly. I know how much I love my mother, but I was thinking, I'm going to be all right. See, I'm the problem solver, right? I'm Superman. Then I realized, going back watching one of my mother's favorite movies, Superman, Christopher Reed, that even Superman hurts. He went back in time to bring Lois back. I don't have those kind of powers. I wish I did. I wish I could go back in time, bring my mother back. I can't. And me feeling like Superman and that I would get better quickly was directly against the vice given, right? That's not what they said. That's how I carried it out, and it just didn't work. Some people, and and as we're talking, we're not just talking about myself, what others may do. Some people start indulging in work. They start overworking themselves, things like that. And, And all of that is just pushing the grief into the back of your head that one day is going to come to the front. Sixth advice, stay present. They told me it's natural to feel uh, overwhelmed when thinking about the future without your mom. So just stay in the present time. I'm just going to say two words on that. That works. Stay in the present. Don't worry about, well, I wonder how I'm going to feel when it's the third anniversary. Don't, Don't think on that. Just stay in the present. Works. Seventh piece of advice, to seek professional help if needed. If your grief is becoming unmanageable, and as they wrote this down for me, they said, uh, it's affecting your daily life for an extended period. Don't hesitate to seek professional help." help. Well, I looked at that then as I look at it now to tell me, well, if it's affecting your daily life for an extended period. What is an extended period? You just told me there's a process and to be patient with myself. Now you're telling me there's extended periods of time? See, all of a sudden, I was looking at the negative. What's extended? Any period of time, it's personal, right? But I'm going to say that the professional help works. And although it didn't say it in the, the, the description I got of suggestions that I should take, It's continual and it takes commitment and it does take time. And I say the opposite of that. I say, don't get professional help if needed, get professional help at the get go. When you first have the loss, go find someone to talk to. Then, then you are able to manage it. And then It may not affect you as much in your daily life. You may be able to carry on. But if you're dependent on yourself to get you through the loss of your parent, it's going to be tough. So that's the only difference in that suggestion is that not the if. When. When it happens, get help. The eighth suggestion was for me to remember the good times. Take time to remember and cherish the happy memories you shared with your mother. Celebrate her life. Have a positive, make sure that it has a positive impact in your future life. Well, you know what I do this daily? I mentioned in one of our first podcasts that my mother gave me a book. She sent it to me in the mail because I was no longer living in town and moved away from hometown, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast. This book is entitled To My Child. We may no longer live in the same house, but you're always in my heart. And it's a collection of poems. Well, what my mother did was she dated each of these poems. There's many of them. Pages. She dated them. She underlined the words that meant so much to her. And then she signed each one. Well, this one, as I do daily, this one stood out to me. It says, when we're apart, my child, I miss you so much. See, I moved away from my hometown when I was 29 years old. And my mother was never happy with that. She understood it. But there was this physical distance between us. And this poem said, life is so different when we're apart. And it will be weeks or even months before we're together again. I think about you several times a day. She underlined that. I think about you several times a day. I wonder if you're making new friends and what new things you're learning and doing. But most of all, I wonder if you know how much love is sent your way every day. This is underlined. You are so much a part of me. And when we're not together, it feels as if something very important is missing. And that something is you. Yes, Barbara Cage wrote that poem. But my mother said, This is from my heart with love, your mother. Now, I read those words, and they mean something so much different to me now. I look at that, and I I wish I had done more when she was alive, when she was here. See, the purpose of this suggestion was for me to have happy memories. Again, I'm being bare with you, right? what happened is it made me think more about the times I could have come home. The times I should have come home. It pains me miserably that I was not present when she died. It pains me that my last words to my mom was on the phone. Not in person. They were beautiful words. I said, see you soon, Mom. I was headed home. I said, I'm coming home, Mom. Told her what time I'd be there that day. I said, I'll see you soon, Mom. I love you. She told me back, I love you too, son. I wish I had told her all she means to me. I wish that conversation was 15 minutes longer. So I could tell her everything she meant. Not just the three words, I'm sure she was happy to hear, I love you, and the other four that I'll see you soon mama. That hurts people, that hurts. The ninth suggestion, as the tears are starting to flow, was for me to allow myself to laugh and find joy. They say it's going to be difficult initially, James, but it's okay to experience these moments of happiness and joy, even amidst the grief. Laughter and joy, they had to remind me, won't diminish the love that you have for your mother. Well, see, I'm a person filled with joy and laughter. Oh, I love to laugh. Growing up, I laughed all the time. As I got older, I found movies and, and all that just, and just to spend my day in laughter and joy. Yet now I find this the most difficult thing. Laughter and joy is what I am. Anybody who knows me personally know that that's me. But now it's hard. See, some of my joy is in that urn too. And my mother was one who laughed. And I can hear her laugh. In addition to that, I watch movies that I know she loved, So I could relive those moments in time. But I find it hard. The tenth thing was to be kind to yourself. This was the last one they said. They said, be kind to yourself. Grieving is a complex and individual process. There's no right way to grieve, they said. Be kind to yourself. Practice self-compassion. Allow yourself the time, space needed to heal. Oh, What am I doing with that advice? Well, I'm not kind to myself at all. Some of the worst things in my life have happened since my mother's death. And I blame myself for every one of them. I now do something I've never had to do. And that's pray to God, I do it daily not to hate myself. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you I'm suicidal. There's no need to call 911. That's not the conversation. What I'm saying is at time. When I'm in my lonely place, which seems to be more times now than ever before, I blame myself for any and everything that goes wrong. Whether I can control it or not. And in some cases, i most cases, I can't even control it. But if it disappoints someone else or it disappoints me, it's all my fault. I got to turn to God and say, please help me to stop blaming myself and hating myself. That's directly against the advice. When did this start, though? After the loss of my mother. So what have I learned overall? We said 10 suggestions and I told you how I dealt with them. How am I doing I remember that everyone's journey through grief, it's unique and I don't compare my process to other people. I work on not getting or feeling pressured to get over the loss quickly. My brother, Kevin, he mentioned to me, he said, see, the more you hurt reflects the deep love that you have for your mother. In addition, He asked me, what are you trying to get over? You'll never get over her death, nor should you try. It's the most painful thing that has happened in his life and mine. See, healing, it takes time. So how am I doing? I'm learning. I'm learning to be patient with myself. Give myself the care and understanding that I need. I hope and pray that any listening out there going through this are able to do the same. I pray and hope that any out there have this episode to refer to when you have a loss, knowing that I am sharing my painful journey with you, for you. May the power of God and his love and his comfort guide you and I through the most difficult time in our lives and may you and I learn how to live when our loved one passes. When I was growing up, my father would turn to the news at 6 o'clock. And on that screen, I got to see towards the end of his career, Walter Cronkite. I remember him. And Mr. Cronkite would come on the television and he would state facts. Maybe he would say, on 3rd Street, at 2 o'clock this afternoon. There were three victims of a shooting. One assailant. That assailant got away, was later found by the police, and he was arrested. All facts. There was an assailant. He was arrested, ran from the scene. There were three victims of a shooting. We knew when, where, who, and possibly at times what for. But sometimes that was provided later on when we found out why. Because, of course, the news wasn't as rapid and we didn't have cell phones and things like that. But our point is, is we got facts. Well, what happens today on the news? Well, today we have what's called sensationalized news. So we take that same circumstance, and today we have someone reporting, and they'll tell us what happened on 3rd Street, but they may adjust all the facts around. So we know about 3rd Street. We may even get the time accurate, but then they start telling us the race of the victims or the the religious background or their sex um in a negative fashion or the same thing about the assailant or what religion they were, what race, okay, it was a, a black victim and it was a white assailant or it was a Jewish person or you know a Muslim. All this extra information that doesn't tell us facts or give us the news But its primary goal is to attract attention, clicks, views, all with the sole purpose of giving information to its audience that can be misleading. You see, sensationalized news leads to a lack of understanding crucial issues and events it can result in people making ill-formed decisions in their personal lives or maybe even supporting policies based on inaccurate information. What then happens with us? Well, it erodes our trust. See, when I used to watch Mr. Cronkite growing up with my father, I trusted the news. I believed what was being said. Now can we actually trust the news? We can't rely on news sources to provide accurate or unbiased information. They may become disengaged from the news altogether. Seek out alternative sources that might be even less credible. We might have to find ourselves fact-checking news programs and certain news stations for that fact. All of this caters to specific ideologies or biases, feeds into the echo chambers, and reinforce stereotypical, oftentimes, or other existing beliefs. They can contribute to increased polarization in society and make it difficult to have constructive and fact-based discussions on important issues. Because the facts are no longer relevant. We want to talk about what's sensationalized. What's going, to, what's going to get viewers to click on our news program. What does this do to our mental health? Well, constant exposure to this can induce fear. It can heighten anxiety. can increase stress levels. The sensationalized tone of some news stories can create unnecessary panic even and negatively affect people's well-being. So much of this dominates headlines. We've gotten to the point now that we have a war going on, possibly. But when we turn on the news, they're talking about what dress was worn to an awards event. Or what an entertainer said in a song. All of the things that's like a magician's trick. It's taking us away from the important issues that's going on at hand. We don't even get that anymore. Also, we've seen through the paparazzi and other news sources calling themselves news. Because see, today, you don't have to have a press badge or a station behind you to call yourself the new. And this stuff leads to unethical practices, invasion of privacy. We've seen that with the paparazzi and others, harassment of individuals, promoting harmful stereotypes, whether those stereotypes are sexual, religious based, racially based, what have you. It's not news. It's not fact. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, when we look at the world's news network and we have to fact check that news or we look to the news to maybe get more information on something we heard partially and we turn the news and it's not even there because they're too busy talking about who wore what dress or whatever that's out there that's that's so sensationalized that is getting the public's attention. When we have to go from one news program to the other so that we can see, well, this person said that according to this broadcast, but then we click on another station, well, they said it this way. Now we've got to go to maybe a government agency to actually see what was said. And when I say government agency, that could be a state agency when we can see what was actually said or what actually happened on what street. When we get to this point, We have to ask ourselves, how did we get here? Toy collecting is our special interest and hobby in this podcast. And it's such a popular and enjoyable hobby that involves the acquisition and appreciation of various toys and collectibles. It appeals to people of all ages and can encompass a wide range of interests and themes. Some of these interests include action figures, dolls, model cars, board games, vintage toys, video game memorabilia, Lego sets, model trains, comic book collectibles, and more. The choices are virtually limitless and allow collectors to focus on specific categories or indulge in a diverse collection. For many collectors, toy collecting is driven by nostalgia and sentimental value. They might be interested in acquiring toys from their childhood or those that evoke cherished memories. Some are are motivated by the potential investment, the value of, of such toys. There are rare and limited edition items that become available over time, making toy collecting both a hobby and an investment opportunity. There have been Furbies that were released that cost about $29 when they were new, but now those same limited edition Furbies are worth in the thousands. And they should not stand alone. There's a Barbie doll that... Uh, was created in 2010 that had diamonds, uh, uh, one carat pink diamond uh, on her baguette and it had a matching diamond ring. Just one Barbie doll that was dressed to the nines. Sold for $302,500. As a G.I. Joe released in 1963, it was actually a prototype because G.I. Joe didn't come out until 1964. So that prototype sold for $200,000. A rocket firing Boba Fett, created in 1979, sold exactly 40 years later for $185,850. A Mickey Mouse motorcycle with Mickey and Minnie sitting on the bike sold for $110,000. Well, it was 70 years old. Some of these things go very high. Moving on, there's been Transformers, uh, Autobot Air Jetfire, sold for $25,000. And my favorite was a Hot Wheels Pink VW Beach Bomb. It was a... VW bus or van, as we call it here in the United States. It was released in 1969, and they say there's two known to exist, one prototype and one early production model. This one individual had the prototype and it sold for $150,000. So some of these can be investments, can bring a lot of money to the owner, But for the most part, toy collecting often involves a vibrant community of enthusiasts. Collectors participate in forums, attend conventions, connect with like-minded individuals who share their passion for toys. Let's not even mention about comic books. There's Comic-Con that just happened. See, these communities provide valuable insights, trading opportunities, but most of all, camaraderie. Many people get a thrill out of hunting and looking for said toys. Whether they go in physical stores, online marketplaces, garage sales, flea markets, part of the thrill is discovering some new addition to their toy collection. Many collectors also take pride and how they arrange and curate their toys in creative ways, often dedicating a specific area of their home for showcasing their prized possessions. Yes, collecting toys can be a journey of learning and discovery. Collectors delve into the history and background of their toys, which gives it international appeal. It transcends cultural boundaries and many collectors find a joy in collecting toys from different countries, learning about diverse toy cultures and expanding their global perspective. Overall, toy collecting is a hobby that offers a mix of fun, nostalgia, community, and the potential for meaningful connections with both the past and the present. So whether you're a seasoned collector or you're just starting, is a hobby that allows for continuous exploration and enjoyment. So hopefully when we go outside and we find a way to get into those toy collections, whether at flea markets or we had a store, hopefully we'll run into each other and not pick from the same basket. As now we come to the conclusion with our sunflower message. This one is going to be another special one in connection with our opening discussion where we talked about living with the loss of a loved one. This is another one of those poems that was provided by my mom and it helps me to carry on when I read it because it makes me think of the special things that she wanted for me. It's entitled, These Special Wishes Are Just For You. And I want you to imagine that these special wishes are for you as well. When you close your eyes at the end of each day, I wish you contented and peaceful sleep. When you are fearful or uncertain, I wish for warmth and light to surround you. When you dream, I wish you soaring images and endless possibilities. When you wake each morning, I wish you the joy of anticipating a beautiful day ahead. When you face problems, I wish you boundless strength and courage to guide you. When you walk along your path, I wish you lasting friendships to brighten your day. Most of all, I wish you love to fill your heart and make your world complete. How beautiful. And I hope that those words bring warmth to you as well. On Cash App at dollar sign live, laugh, talk. And on Twitter at live, laugh, talker. Also on Spotify, hit the dollar sign to donate and support our podcast. We really do appreciate that. And it's needed as well because nothing is free anymore. Also remember to rate us a five. That can also be the way that you support us. Or a 10. Whatever is the highest way to rate us on your podcast platform. And also tell your friends. We need those. We need your friends. We need your family. We need your peers. We need your colleagues. We need your business associates. Lead them to our podcast as you can easily do by just Telling them to follow, live, laugh, talk, or sharing with them from your platform to an email or a text message. This is James and Georgia's baby boy signing off. And as you know, I can't wait to talk with you again soon.